Hi there, this is Brian Barnett with The Last Symptom. When I started The Last Symptom, I never in a million years imagined it would grow as it has. In these early shows especially, audio quality was often iffy, and there were references to services or online groups that are outdated and no longer in use. Great improvements have been made. Where should you go for all of the most up-to-date resources that I offer? TheLastSymptom.com is my permanent website full of free resources where everything is always up to date and that I encourage you to refer back to often. There are also a few modest paid resources at TheLastSymptom.com. These support my efforts and have allowed The Last Symptom to exist for as long as it has. These include one-on-one phone conversations with me one-on-one Zoom video calls with me, and perhaps most importantly, the Last Symptom Fundamentals course, which is a two-week, intensive, pre-recorded online video course that is far superior to things like DBT. The Last Symptom has a flourishing YouTube and Rumble channel where I publish regular orange slices, which are condensed video insights of five or ten minutes in length. If you're just now discovering the last symptom, welcome. I hope you will find every insight and resource you need here for authentic and permanent recovery from emotional disorders such as borderline personality disorder. Now on to the show. I hope you enjoy. Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental health nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares, and by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Happy Thursday, everybody. This is you-know-who, Brian Barnett. Happy to have you back with me again. I've got some good news. After 43 years of life, this past weekend, I finally finally had the best pizza I've ever eaten in my entire existence. After living for over a decade in Philadelphia and then for almost three years around Boston, it was finally a little hole in the wall down in Stanton, Kentucky, where I had the best pizza of all time. A little place called Miguel's Pizza. You should look it up on the internet. Man, I'm telling you, that was some good pizza. I didn't go down there for the pizza. I went down there for a backpacking trip down in the Red River Gorge. And if you haven't seen the Red River Gorge, that also is worth driving down for. But uh, you folks up in New York and Chicago, you need to get down to Kentucky, down to Stanton, Kentucky, try their pizza over at Miguel's. No, Miguel isn't paying me anything to say this. I'm giving it to him for free because, man, that pizza was good. Also, you got to try the... uh, L8 pop, uh, soda pop, 
L81, I think is the, the official name of the pop, but it's pronounced a late one, a late one pop. But people, people around Kentucky just call it uh, L8. It's ginger ale. That's what it is. What are we going to talk about today? Oh, let's see. So many good things. So many good things. Let's talk about what you're capable of versus what you're able to do and why it matters. Do you know what the difference is? Do you know what the difference is between your capacity versus your ability? Well, to uh, explain that, we've got to talk about a fiddle. Or banjo. I usually try to stick with imagery that's consistent with my cultural background. But let's stick with a fiddle. And as an aside, do you know what the uh, difference is between a fiddle and a violin? Well, you don't get too bent out of shape if you spill beer on your fiddle. <laughs> that's a, uh, a musician's joke. Now, chew over the following factual statement for a minute or two. I have the capacity to play the fiddle but I don't have the ability to play the fiddle because I've never learned. See, your capacity for a thing is not affected by what you know or do not know. In fact, you have no say at all in what you are or are not capable of. Think about that. You have no say in what you are or are not capable of. Your capacity or capability is an inherent possibility that exists within you at all times, whether you ever take advantage of it or not. You're built with the inherent possibility of that function built into you. Now, imagine I want my dog Bradbury, I call him Braddy for short, imagine I want Braddy to sit down, dream up, and then type out the next great American novel. Is there anything I can possibly do for him or that he can do for himself that will ever allow him to carry this out? No. It doesn't matter if Jane Goodall and Caesar Milan both come to my house and tag team for the next hundred years. We're talking about something that poor old Braddy lacks the capacity to do. It's so foreign to what he is capable of doing, and it'll always be an impossibility for him. I might as well expect him to fly like a bird. I recently bought a television set. It's, it's 70 inches. It's 4K, Ultra HD. It's, it's sweet. Now imagine I unplug my television from the wall. Would it be rational for me to get angry if I'm unable to watch movies this way? No. My television lacks the capacity to function without being plugged into a power source. It's incapable of functioning without being plugged in. Therefore, the expectations I just described are entirely unreasonable, and they will always be unreasonable. Ability is different. Your ability can be affected by what you do or do not know. It can be affected by tons of factors, such as Conditioning, experience, current circumstances. My favorite baseball player for the Boston Red Sox is Dustin Pedroia, and he only got to play three games the entire season. He has the capacity to be a superstar baseball player. The problem is he didn't have the ability this past season because of knee problems. 
The following statement is true for you, for me, and for anybody who might be listening. Listen closely. I have the capacity to be a pilot, a scientist, a Supreme Court justice, an actor, a skilled musician, a brilliant mathematician, a police officer, an outstanding parent, and a person completely free from any emotional disorders. Whether or not I ever gain the ability to do any of these things is mostly up to whether I ever decide to do what is required to achieve them. There's nothing inherently preventing me from accomplishing it. I possess the potential. Other factors affecting my ability are my natural interests, my personality, luck, connections, social status, personal circumstances, and so on. You see, I ran out of breath there. So why is all this important? For three primary reasons. One, it can help you determine and set reasonable high expectations of yourself. It justifies any hope and enthusiasm you feel for any attempts you might make to recover from your emotional disorder. Two, it's going to make all the difference later when you're grappling with understanding what you can reasonably have expected from your parents or not have reasonably expected of them and what can you expect of them now in terms of the quality of their parenting and any efforts they might make or might not make to set things right. Number three, it's going to set the bar for people who care about you regarding what they can reasonably expect and should expect from you, despite the fact that you have a quote-unquote disorder. If you believe, for example, that you're incapable, that is, you lack the capacity to rid yourself of borderline personality disorder, this will naturally affect your optimism and, indeed, the very effort you ultimately devote towards that end. However, if, like my example with the fiddle or the banjo, you realize that recovery is something you've always been inherently capable of, yet merely lacked ability to do because of lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, lack of willingness, whatever, you will gain a strong sense of purpose to put forth genuine effort and not be deterred. Later, when you're examining and coming to understand how your parents are responsible for borderline personality disorder, this distinction between ability and capacity will help you see that your parents had no acceptable excuse whatsoever for the damage they caused you in childhood. Furthermore, they have no acceptable excuse whatsoever for not trying their best to understand what they did and why they did it now. While they may have lacked ability because of ignorance in certain matters, they always had the capacity to do better, to recognize and fix what they were doing wrong. They only ever had to care more and put in more effort. That's what it comes down to. They only ever had to care more and put in more effort. 
So this will help you to more accurately measure the true gravity and nature of what they did or what they're failing to do now. And there are many reasons why this clarity is imperative for your recovery. And we'll get into that in greater detail at another time. Finally, for those who care about you, this distinction is going to help them more clearly see what is reasonable for them to expect from you and what is not reasonable. They can then set reasonable boundaries and steadfastly hold you to harsh consequences for violating those boundaries. For example, it is reasonable for them to expect you to get your act together and stop having borderline personality disorder. To prove it, we already talked about my dog and the American novel and how that's not reasonable for us to expect something like that from him because he's incapable of doing it to begin with. So it's not reasonable or rational of me to expect something from him that he doesn't have the capacity to do because even if he wanted to do it, he could not. However, is it unreasonable for me to expect my dog to learn not to pee in the house? This isn't even a little bit unreasonable of me. Because although my dog may lack the ability for the first month of his life as a puppy, I know he has the capacity to learn, and therefore I can rightfully, justifiably, expect from him in time to no longer pee in my house. This is not an unreasonable expectation for me to have. Well, guess what? If you have borderline personality disorder or any emotional disorder, you are a dog. And you've been peeing on the rug for way too long. You have the capacity to learn not to do that anymore. And people have a right to expect it of you. You have a right and good reason to expect it of yourself. So there's no reason to beat yourself up for what until now you've been unable to do. But there is a reason to have high, solid, unwavering expectations for yourself moving forward. Now, let's talk for a minute to people who care about somebody with borderline personality disorder, or let's just say any emotional disorder. You know, the, re the whole reason I had to figure out this, this principle in my head is because of my relationship with my father. When I was recovering from borderline personality disorder and I was examining that relationship and seeing how he had caused so much damage in my life, I realized I had to figure out what was the universally proper way for me to view my father's abilities and capabilities in order to understand the only healthy way for me to approach that relationship moving forward. Now, I believe that my father is a narcissist. So how am I going to approach my narcissist father, create boundaries for what I will or will not allow in my own life? What perimeters am I going to use for that? What qualifications am I going to put into place for us to have a relationship or not have a relationship. So it came down to the principle of capability or capacity versus ability. There are a lot of things he doesn't have the ability to do and he may never have the ability to do. But it doesn't change what he's capable of doing. See? And the reality is that anything that a person with an emotional disorder is capable of doing that is a fair thing to expect of them. Notice I didn't say anything that they're able to do, but rather anything they're capable 
of doing. And this distinction is very important, which is why we already spent so much time talking about the distinctions between capability or capacity versus ability. You see, there are many, many things people with emotional disorders are unable to do. But if you were going to use this as your qualification for creating and enforcing boundaries, frankly, you would never create any. You'd never create a boundary. And perhaps listening to this, it's dawning on you that this has been your total error in approach up to now. It's not fair for me to expect something of a person that they are incapable of doing, as we've already illustrated. But it is perfectly fair of me to expect something of a person that they're unable to do. Especially, especially when it's something that is necessary for their own well-being and for my well-being, and when it's a necessary factor for a healthy relationship. Why can we say it is fair for me to expect something from somebody that they're unable to do. Think about it. We're always unable to do the things we have yet to learn how to do. I'm going to say that again. We are always unable to do the things we have yet to learn how to do. You send your child to school to learn things they're unable to do. It's, it's the entire reason school exists at all. So is it unreasonable of you to expect your child to learn to count even though they are unable to count on the first day of school? No, because they're capable of counting even if they're unable to count. This is also why it's imperative to reject the lies that a great portion of the professional community would have you believe that emotional disorders are genetic, I say that in air quotes, or that their symptoms can only be managed while genuinely ridding oneself of their disorder is impossible. Are you beginning to see how destructive these outright lies are? When people buy into these blatant falsehoods by incompetent, negligent groups in authority, it changes a person's entire concept of what they can reasonably expect of themselves and what others can reasonably expect of them. For example, when the person with borderline personality disorder or any emotional disorder hears that they were born, quote, with an imaginary genetic defect in their very makeup, which causes all the issues that they're dealing with, what motivation do they have then to make a genuine effort to investigate the truth and change. Likewise, when this person's loved ones hear and buy into the same idiotic lie, what motivation do they have to create genuine boundaries and hold their loved one to consequences? What ultimate benefits could there possibly be in boundaries and consequences in such a scenario? Absolutely none. So the genetic lie is only destructive. Now, 
I'll be talking soon about genetics. I've, I've been trying to record a podcast about it. I've got it written out in great detail. And the article actually is available. I'll be posting it here uh, probably next week. So is it reasonable to expect a person with an emotional disorder to not be abusive? Yes, because they are capable of not being abusive. Is it reasonable to expect a person with an emotional disorder to stop having an emotional disorder? Yes, because they are capable of learning what is causing the disorder and correcting it. Is it reasonable of you to say, if you're still raging at me and verbally abusing me after a year, I'm leaving you, and then to concretely enforce that boundary? Yes, it is. Not only are these things reasonable, but when we talk about the only way you have of facilitating another person's recovery, it is this, setting concrete expectations, creating boundaries, steadfastly enforcing those boundaries that we are talking about. That's what we are talking about when we talk about facilitating somebody's recovery. Failure to do this is the very opposite of facilitating the other's recovery. It is instead facilitating their disorder. Meaning, you're part of the problem. You are part of their problem. Think about that. So it's no small thing, this understanding of what distinguishes ability versus capacity. I hope I've given you some real things to think about for the next week, possibly some aha moments. My hope for a lot of you is that you'll listen to this podcast several times through until the point really drives home why this distinction is so important and how to apply it in your relationships and your life right now for immediate practical benefits. So if you have time, listen to it a few times until the point really sinks in. Folks, I hope you have a great week. Um, it's been wet. It's been really wet where I'm at. And uh, I hope it's dry where, you're, where you are. Hope you're getting to enjoy uh, the changing colors of the foliage. Doesn't seem like autumn lasts very long these days, does it? Comes in and out. Uh, I remember one, one autumn, it was warm right up until about November. And then I woke up one day and the leaves, still green, were down on the ground. They were in the trees the day before. The next day, just a bunch of green leaves down on, on the ground. So some wacky stuff. Anyway, I hope where you're at, you're enjoying fall. Have a great week. Remember to be kind to yourself and patient. Little bites at a time. Eventually a whole big, comprehensive, cohesive picture will come together. And uh, I'll see you on Thursday. Uh, Miguel, if you're listening and you get a hankering to send me a pizza, well, I reckon I can't stop you, buddy. Go ahead and send it. Have a nice week, folks. Thanks for listening.